I can remember just a sinner was I. And I knelt down a sinner and came up like Mephibosheth, feasting at the king's table as an honored guest. Isn't that wonderful? From a pauper to a, to a uh, son of God. It's wonderful. It didn't take him long to do it. In fact, I would say, venture to say, he did it before I realized he did it in some ways. But um, I know this, it didn't take him long. Uh, once I cast myself upon the Lord Jesus for mercy, I found what I was looking for. I found mercy. And I found a gracious, loving God who we won't go to Second Peter. We'll go back to the book of Hebrews tonight. But I found out personally that the long-suffering of God is salvation. To put up with a man for 25 years in sins, for God to in the mercy, just his long-suffering graciousness, to put up with me that long and still be merciful to me and forgive me of my sins. Thank the Lord for that. And so we need to realize that as we continually hear the Lord is coming. And um, we need to remember that uh, long-suffering. Why? Because he has long patience for it, the Bible says. And um, the Lord, uh, the Bible said, who's not willing that any should perish. And um, so the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation. And um, he knows and we don't know. And so what we do is just patiently wait for him. And Brother Jones touched on that. Now, the writer of Hebrews, uh, leaving Second Peter there, we'll come back to that, Lord willing, maybe Wednesday night, and pick back up and begin to work on finishing Second Peter, um, exhorting us again about the coming of the Lord. And uh, so was the writer of Hebrews, again, exhorting suffering uh, pilgrims and strangers, exhorting them to remember that the Lord is coming, and he that shall come will come. And he reminds us of that, and he uh, prepares us in the first part of the chapter here, uh, again, like he follows a, a pattern in many areas of the New Testament, uh, in laying out these encouraging scriptures, um, and then he comes back with the responsibility. And um, so before he often will come to the expectation or uh, the duty, he lays out the doctrine. And so um, these things that we are going to be expected to do as we get on down through the chapter here, uh, you're going to need what you learned in the first part of the chapter, in chapter 10, okay? So let's just refresh just a minute, a couple of verses, just so I can bring your mind back around to who he's speaking to. And there can be no doubt that the writer, that the Lord, let's say the Lord, uh, that the Lord is uh, exhorting us uh, as Christians, right? He's dealing with saved people. And, um, and so he, let me just give for us an example here in chapter number 10 <coughs> in verse number one, where the Bible said that, um, the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image can never with those sacrifices where they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. So he's contrasting the sacrifices of the Old Testament to the sacrifice uh, of, the, of the Lord Jesus and himself that accomplished uh, uh, our salvation. And so uh, in contrast, we can say, though, those things, having a shadow of good things to come, could never make the comers there unto perfect, uh, as he says in another place, it could pertain to the conscience. Um, that is contrasted with what Jesus did, who is able to make the comers there unto perfect, right? So he's contrasting contrasting the two offerings. And Jesus in the offering of himself, and it goes on to say, he has perfected forever them that are sanctified. And that's who he's talking to. Saved people that have been sanctified and set apart uh, positionally now. Now, uh, uh, it's a progressive thing uh, as we progressively are sanctified, but I'm speaking positionally here. We are sanctified. We are set apart. We are uh, uh, not like the rest of the world that we should perish with the world, right? We are, uh, we are a twice-born, uh, blood-bought group of people that belong to Jesus, and uh, we are sanctified, justified in heaven. 
And so um, he said, this is the contrast. So he's dealing with that. So that question, the comers there unto perfect. Now, that is going to be difficult when you get on down. Uh, if you start just isolating scriptures out, if you forget these verses, you have a tendency to really make a mistake here. Uh, so I'm trying to point these out for a purpose. So he said, the comers there unto perfect. So if you're saved, positionally speaking, in the eyes of God, if when God sees you, he sees the blood of Jesus, then you stand perfect in Christ Jesus in your standing as you sit here tonight. And um, now, uh, again, your state can be somewhat different. And he deals with that uh, in the pleasing of the Lord and towards the end of the chapter. Uh, but we're talking about the position here of the person. And you positionally are perfect and you stand perfect in Christ Jesus. What you are waiting is for the adoption to win the redemption of your body. But as good, it's as good as done as far as heaven's concerned. You are redeemed and bought by the precious blood of Jesus. And if you're saved tonight, you belong to God. And God's graving you in the palm of his hands. And he will never take it out. And nobody else can get it out. You are as good as saved and seated in the heavenlies tonight. So you ought to thank God for that. And if your attitude is, well, I got it made. I can go do whatever I want to. Then you probably need to get saved because I don't know anybody born of God that really believes like that. Nobody that I've ever met. They may just out there somewhere. I, I, I don't know. I'm saying I've never met a person who thinks like that and is really saved. You know, most of us aren't thinking like that. We're thinking, oh, God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. That's what we're thinking. Right? We're not thinking, oh, what liberty that I have now to live any way that I want to. That's not at all what we're thinking. We're thinking, oh, what liberty I have now to love and to serve and to please God. Amen. God just helped me to do that. That's what we're thinking. And so we often fail at that. And that's one thing. But the desire of our heart is to please the Lord. And so anyhow, now, so uh, he says in the, in, the, in the very first verse, the comers there unto perfect. Look at verse number two. He said, the worshipers once purged. So uh, if you look at verse number two, for when then they have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged should have no more conscience of sins. That's in contrast to what Jesus did on Calvary. When you came to him, you were once purged. That's a special word. Just like remission. Remission's a special word. He could use pardon there, but he doesn't mean just pardon when he says remission. Remission goes far beyond a pardon. Trump issued a few pardons here. What does that mean? Trump issued some pardons. Well, uh, he, he basically said people, he didn't remove the conviction. It doesn't expunge the record. See, a pardon uh, pardons you from the, from the punishment that's due the crime. It relieved them of their guiltiness. But it's still on their record. But they're treated as though they never did it. Right? God's forgiveness goes, goes a step beyond that. Not only are you saved from the punishment of the crime, but he's actually chosen to forget you ever committed the crime. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen, JC. <laughs> I had a lot he had to forget. That's why Jesus talked about that woman said she loved much because she was forgiven much. And you see yourself as undone as you really are. There'll be a lot of love come out because you've been forgiven a whole lot. Amen. So the worshipers once purged, these comers thereunto are perfect. This is in contrast, not under the law, uh, but under the Lord Jesus and his sacrifice. Look in verse number 10. The Bible said, sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus once for all. Look at verse number 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Once will do you, right? So, you're, this is again now. So, if you were if you were uh, purged from your sins and you came to Jesus and you believed on Jesus, whose sacrifice accomplished your perfection and your standing before God, and then you were sanctified through the body of Jesus Christ, through the offering of the body of Jesus, once for all. Then what can ever change that? 
You see. So when we get, I'm just laying some work here because we get down to the end of this and people get confused. Now, look at verse number 14. We said this this morning. We're perfected forever. And I've quoted this a couple of times. But uh, for by one offering, he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. How long is forever? I graduated high school, got through two years of college by the grace of God. As far as I know, forever means forever. You don't have to go to school real long to learn that, Cody. Forever is forever. So look at that verse again now, and let's stand upon this verse. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Are you saved tonight? Are you sanctified by the blood of Jesus? Then that has been accomplished forever. And nobody can take that away from you. You couldn't get away from it if you wanted to, though you would not want to. You can say that, but I don't know anybody that's saved wishing they weren't saved. Do you know anybody that wishes they didn't love Jesus? I know plenty of people that wish they love him more than they do. I'd fall into that group. But I'm certainly not, I don't regret one moment I've spent with him. Not one moment in prayer. Not one moment I've spent reading the word of God, going to church, worshiping, shouting, preaching, singing, testifying. I've not regretted one moment that I've spent with Jesus since I was born again. Just wish I loved him more and did more for the cause of Christ. Right? So, you couldn't get away from him. You couldn't undo it because it's, you've been perfected forever. You've been sanctified. And the offering, the, the body of Jesus Christ accomplished that because he's eternal. It's an eternal salvation and an eternal security because you have eternal life. What kind of eternal life is uh, ended? That would be not eternal, wouldn't it? As far as I know now. Again, I'm not a very bright individual. But I know eternal when I hear it. As far as I know, forever means forever and it never ends. Now, when you start getting into the fact it never had a beginning, that's where I get a little confused. But I can grasp the fact that it never ends. I can lay hold of that. Nobody can take it from me. Nobody can end my eternal life. It's been given to me as a gift and nobody can take it away but God himself. And I don't have a verse in this Bible that said he'd take it away from me. So it's forever. And it was accomplished because not your great faith, but because of his great faith in performing the will of God for you on your behalf. Thank the Lord. He's good, isn't he? Now, so those verses set a groundwork. They lay a groundwork for us. Not so that we um, can say, well, I'm good to go. I'm once sanctified, once will do you, and now I can go live and uh, uh, talk and act and breathe and walk and think any way that I want to. Nobody thinks like that to say, right? That's not our thinking tonight. It's laying the groundwork is laid to give you the peace of assurance of knowing you belong to God. And so that when he comes through, when he starts dealing with these things about going through suffering and holding fast your profession and standing. you got to know where you stand before you can realize what to hold fast to. Amen. So you stand perfect and complete in Jesus. Thank God for that. Now, let's move on to where uh, we need to get to tonight. We stopped somewhere. Let's start our reading in about verse number 18, and then we'll just continue on down through here. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. All right, what did he just say? Their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. So where the remission of sins and iniquities are, there is no more sacrifice. Where God has offered himself without spot to himself through the eternal spirit, which is himself. It was was offered, it was done, and it was delivered by God, for God, through God. Now, see, there again, I get a little confused, but it sounds good to preach. It's true, though I couldn't probably explain much of it. I believe it to be so. I believe God the Holy Ghost is God. I believe God the Son is God, and I believe God the Father is God. And these three are one. Now, 
So he just said, the sins and iniquities, I will remember against them no more. And so then he comes back in verse number 18 and says, now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. There's nothing else that needs to be accomplished. There's nothing else that needs to be offered. If you sin today and you committed a sin today, there's no offering that remains to be made to cover that sin. What Jesus did 2,000 years ago was good enough to cover all the sins of mankind for all of human history and for all of human future. It's his blood is effectual to the cleansing of the sins of any man, woman, boy, or girl that will believe on him and will cast themselves upon him. That's why he says you have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Right? So continual cleansing power of the blood. And then uh, so he says here, there remaineth no more offering for sin uh, because the offering that Jesus made once was good enough for all of eternity and for all sin. And verse number 18 then, and now I I went and touched on that already, uh, but this is my blood of the New Testament which is shed for many for the remission of sins. This is an abatement. This is a removing of sins. A uh, removing not just of the punishment and a restoral of anything lost, but an action forgotten a forgiveness that has totally actually removed the guiltiness of a man. It is though that you have sinned and God fixed it up so as that you didn't. That's the way Brother Blue put it. And because some people say justify just as if I'd never sinned. No, uh, God, you sin and God just fixed it up and chose not to remember it against you anymore. <laughs> and that's a more accurate way to depict it. And so there remaineth no more offering. And so if we, hey, we ought to be, we ought to be the most thankful people walking God's earth today. And if, by, if the Bible said, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, how, how, how much more shall you and me who have had all of our sins forgiven by the blood of Jesus, should we not praise the Lord? Amen. And uh, so he said, having therefore, brethren, in, in verse number 18, he establishes how the remission of sins is the removal of not just the punishment, but of the sins in itself. That's what John the Baptist said when he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sin of the world. It's gone. What you were by nature, Christ crucified that on Calvary. It, not just the sins which were many, but the but the the root of the problem, what you were by nature, <laughs> destroyed. <laughs> I'm gonna get that Joe Bryant move down. I get my breath back. That ought to stir you up today. Say, so, well, there's not a lot to be excited about. Having your sins forgiven is a good place to start. Where there's coronavirus. Yeah, I know. Uh, yeah, well, uh, financially, people now, oh, I know. But hey, you and me have our sins forgiven. We got a lot to be thankful for. Amen. And so uh, that he establishes that groundwork. And I want to tell you, folks, that's the basis upon which any of us today have any peace in our soul because of what Jesus accomplished for us on your behalf. And so that's why uh, saved or lost, that, the story will never go old. Just any time in your life that somebody can exhort you uh, uh, to, to consider and to, look at the, and, and to look at Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith, is a good day. Just continually look unto him and you're going to make it home all right. And so um, he lays that groundwork. Now, now look at what he does in verse number 19. And so if Jesus has not entered into the holy places made with hands, but into the very presence of God, so that's where our anchor is, our anchor holds within the veil, into the very presence of God. And he said, which he consecrated by a new and a living way, which is his body, the, the veil. So it, it typifies when the, the veil that was in twain, uh, his body was ripped. That his, his body was, was ripped like that veil. It, it, was, it was broken. And uh, uh, what separated you from being able to enter into the presence of God, uh, Jesus and himself was broken so that you might be able to enter. Because in the Old Testament, the way into the holiest of all was not yet made clear. There was no way to know. Only the high priest once a year, and he couldn't go but with blood. And so the the way into the very presence of the holy God in which the cherubims guarded that were decorated on that veil and guarding the holy presence of a holy God because you're too sinful to enter into God's presence. You were. 
Now he says, brethren, by the offering of Jesus Christ, by the sacrifice of himself, he was rent, literally rent in twain. He was broken. He was ripped his body for you so that that veil was removed and you could enter into the holiest of all, right into the very presence of Almighty God because of the blood of Jesus. You could not do that unless you stood perfect in the eyes of God. God doesn't accept you. God doesn't accept, uh, and I know that song, I understand what we're saying. He, uh, 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 sinful men, I can't think of the, the exact words, but that's not what God accepts. What God accepts was perfection, and he's the only one that could produce it. He produced it, put you in it, and allowed you into his presence. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> and so God, uh, the way into the holiest now was not made clear then, but it is now. And Jesus said, I am the door by which any man. Hey, he's the door, young people. It ain't the Baptist church. It ain't no preacher. It ain't your mom and daddy. It's Jesus Christ and him alone. And you can enter into the very presence of the holy creator, God of this Bible, <laughs> by the blood of Jesus. Now, okay, so he says in verse number 18, you've got the remission of sins. Those sins have been purged, they've been cleansed, and you've been perfected forever and sanctified by the blood of Jesus positionally. You stand and you're able to come before the presence of God now. Hallelujah. There's Jews for thousands of years that like to have known what you know sitting here today. You know, we take it for granted often. And, and you see people score touchdown and kneel and that's the biggest bunch. That, if nothing, anything on earth makes me want to puke. It's some heretic that's crossing himself and kneeling like God cares if he scores a touchdown or not. Newsflash, God doesn't care about touchdowns. I like to watch them, but God doesn't care about them. I actually like to see somebody hit somebody more than I like to see them score, but that's just called a mean. Now, we got to move on. That wasn't the point of what I was trying to say. What I'm trying to say is we often take it for granted. You know, at any time, y'all be on your job. About one of the most unholiest places to be on planet Earth is at, job, at your work, isn't it? All these ungodly people and cussing and going on. But you know, you can slip off by yourself. You don't have to slip off anywhere. You can just bow your head. Don't even have to bow your head. You can close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. You can fold your hands. You don't have to fold your hands. You can enter right into the very presence of God because of what Jesus did for you on Calvary. <laughs> and we have access by faith. And, there, and that's why he says, because of these remissions of sins, because you've been purged, because you've been sanctified, because you've been perfected by the offering of Jesus, by the sacrifice of himself, and having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter in. That, that's not uh, arrogancy, right? That's, that's just a, uh, that's a, that's a feeling of... Um, uh, it may be, uh, how can I put this? Boldness. You know, I, I, try, I try to relate things often. You young people, I don't know if you can relate to this much, but I, I'll just give you my, what I'm thinking in my brain. I was always scared to death to talk to my dad because he was meaner than a striped snake. But I did know this, Brother Jones, he loved me. And, and to the best of his ability, he did want the best for me. He just wasn't saved. He didn't have the ability to do a very good job. But, but he, he did love me to the best of his ability. He wanted the best for my life. And I believe that about my dad. And, uh, and, uh, and I, had a, I had a boldness, I guess, when I would go talk to my dad. Look, I, I'm his son. I mean, there was a, he's probably going to kill me for what I've done. That's probably going to happen. But I'm his boy. I, he, he loves me. I, I know that. There was a... This goes far beyond that. I can't really relate it. This is, a, this is an assurance. This is a, look, if, if God loved me so much that he would leave the glories of heaven to come to this filthy rat race, 
and, 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 and put on a robe of flesh and the likeness of sinful flesh, condemn it in the flesh and come into this sin-cursed world and, and be spit on to be mocked and to, 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 to have his, uh, uh, his earthly mother uh, uh, horrible things said about her, to be ridiculed, to be beaten, to be all so that he could forgive my sins and pave a way for me to enter into the presence of God and have fellowship with God. If he did all of that to give me this remission of sins and this purging, uh, 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 surely he wants to hear from me. There's a, there's a boldness in the sense of assurance of, man, I, I know God wants to hear from me. We have every right, and I, I say it as Reverend Lee, as, as, as uh, many men that uh, have said it before me, but we have every right into the presence of God just as much as Jesus has because of him now. And so he exhorts him and said, now look, look at what all God's done for you. The chapter nine, chapter 10, and God accomplished for you and himself. And so if your sins are forgiven and you're purged and you stand complete in Jesus tonight, I want to encourage you to have boldness to enter into the presence of God. You can enter right into the throne room of heaven and ask God and lay your requests out and let them be made known unto God. And so now he's going he's gonna to move from that, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and a living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. <laughs> And having a high priest over the house of God. That's his current uh, position. And, well, let's not go into that. But I like to talk a lot about it after that order of Melchizedek. You know, he spends a lot of time dealing with that. And the Bible said, consider how great this man. So, but let's not, that's not the message. And have a high priest over the house of God. And so then, then here's what he says now in verse number 22. He's going to give us verse number 22, 23, 24, a couple of verses here. He's going to say a couple of things, and here it lays out the expectation. So he's laid the groundwork, and he's told you who you are in Jesus, and you ought to have confidence, boldness to enter in as a son of God. Now, if you have no assurance of your salvation, you have no boldness to enter in. You have no assurance, no, no, no courage to, to enter in there knowing that you belong to God. That's why I say it's, it's extremely important that you know where you stand with God. You've got to have that nailed down. Because if you're saved, you ought to have boldness to enter in and say, God, I'm your child. You're my father. Here's, here's what's on my heart. Here's where, and you got to have that now. And uh, I believe God wants every one of his children to be at peace. He wants them to have that peace. God wants you to have it. His timing may be different. There may be a purpose in why he's allowing you to go through what he is. And maybe you struggle with it some. And maybe God's trying to accomplish something in your life. I don't know God's eternal purposes. But I do know he wants you to know whom you have believed. I know that. He wants that for your life. Just keep looking to Jesus. Now. All right. And then he said, uh, let us. Here's the first exhortation that he gives. Verse number 22. Let us draw near. So seeing that you have boldness to enter in, seeing that, seeing that by the blood of Jesus you have the right to enter into the holiest of all and right into the presence of God, your sins are forgiven, you've been made perfect, seeing all those things, now let us draw near. See, suffering oftentimes will drive a wedge between you and God. I don't know why it does that. Maybe it's the devil trying to tell Job with his friends, you're some kind of awful sinner. Far as we know, Job didn't do anything. The devil started that whole mess. Am I right? I mean, the devil started it. He's the one that said, Job only loves you because of what you do for him. Basically saying, God, you're buying people's love. The devil started all that. So I don't know uh, what all there, I, I don't even pretend to know uh, of the reasoning behind all of that. God's ways are, are more than, better, higher than mine. And so uh, I don't know why God allows uh, some of these things into our life. But if we're not careful, when we go through these suffering times, we'll, draw, we'll, we'll, we'll get further away from God. And I've watched COVID do that to people. That take a good, healthy fear that I want to be the first one to stand up here and say that you should have. And anybody that says that it's not real is a nut job. Yeah. And I love them, but they've gone off the rail. They've derailed. Yeah. 
I've never had a flu that took my smell and taste away from me. I've never had nothing like I just went through. So whatever it is, it's real. Whoever it come from, whether it was the Chinese or whether it was a bat or whether it was a, I don't know, but I know it was real. And a good, healthy fear you ought to have of it is, uh, uh, is right. We ought to not be foolish. We ought to try to take care of ourselves. I'm for trying to take care of all your body that you can. I believe we ought to try to uh, keep people from giving it to people. I believe all those things. But I am not going to let this destroy my faith in the character of God. Amen. And I'm not going to live crawled up in some little ball inside of my house, worried to death and dying on God and drying up and, and forsaking his church and forsaking the Bible study and the reading and the worship of God and the collective gathering of the saints because I'm scared to death. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I spent about three days scared to death. And uh, so... I, uh, I, we can't allow tragedy and, 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 and things like this to creep in and rob us of our faith in God's character and our assurance of, of, of God's faithfulness. So uh, he's exhorting them here uh, and says, uh, having a high priest, let us draw near uh, with a true heart and full assurance of faith. That's what we ought to be doing. Hey, uh, now, you all know what I think here, and I'm not backing up on any of it. These people that's got health problems, and as bad as things are, this is the second week I believe it's been, Brother Reed, they voted Knoxville the worst city in the country for the COVID virus. So, hey, these people has got some health problems. They don't need to be out and about much. But if you think about it, almost everybody that I know that's got it, every one of them that I know in here that's got it, has got it from family, not the church. So we ought to get rid of our family and just come to church. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My mom said, I'm going to bring you something nice. She said, I'm going to bring you some soup and the Sprite, Brother Allen said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I said, Mom, you brought enough down here. <laughs> <laughs> Made her fear, feel terrible. But uh, no, she didn't have no idea. Uh, but uh, so, so please don't misunder, misread what I'm saying. We ought to be extremely careful. We ought to be considerate of people and, and, and all of those things. We ought to, I'm for all of those things. I think God give us a brain and we ought to be practical and be careful and, and, and this thing's real and we ought to have respect to it and all of those wonderful things are what I'm dealing with is much deeper. And so if you can't be here and, 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 and for, for perfectly legitimate reasons, I, I want to exhort you and, and if you're on, online tonight, I want to exhort you, you ought to be doing so much more at home because if you don't, I'm telling you, I don't care who you are and how strong you think you stand in Jesus. You cannot do well missing too many days of church when you're not doing nothing at home to counteract it. Amen. See, we may have to miss, but I'm telling you, we ought to be holding family devotions. We ought to be studying the Word of God. We ought to be praying. We ought to be having private devotions. And if you don't have that, you're going to dry up and die on God. Yes. And uh, so I'm not playing Ganya live. I don't know you need to come or go. My job's exhorting one another as you see the day approaching, the symbol, not forsake the symbol of yourselves together. So I want to exhort you to come. But you you got to know your own self and your own situation, right? And uh, I told you from day one, I'm not going to judge any of that. What I am going to say without, without any uh, uh, hesitation at all, if you're not drawing nigh to God, you're missing the mark somewhere. And it may not be in not being here. It may be in what you're doing at home. Right? Because we have boldness to enter in, not just here. I can enter in there. I can be at home and enter into the very presence of God. And uh, I'm not trying to, uh, like I say, either way. So let's get off of that. Uh, but uh, uh, so he, he exhorts them first thing he says here. He says, draw nigh to God. Let us draw near with our hearts to God. And if I've ever seen a time where Christian churches need to start drawing nigh in their hearts to God, it's now. I, I'm, uh, I'm shocked at what this thing's been able to do to us as a, as a church. It's, it's been devastating uh, to, to see churches go through. And, uh, and, and even on an individual level, um, you know, even on an individual level, it's been damaging to us spiritually. And... Uh, and, um, and so I feel like what the Lord's telling us to do here, the Lord's telling us to draw nigh to him. And so why would we not? 
Look at what he did in the first part of the chapter, Brother Nathan. He's purged you of all of your sins. They're gone. They're gone. Not the punishment's not gone, merely. The very remembrance of what you did is gone. That's a miracle. I mean, that's a miracle. That's just a gracious God. He didn't have to forget them. He chose to. Now, so let's draw now to God with our hearts. Having a heart, uh, draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Having our conscience sprinkled from an, uh, having our heart sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Draw near. Second thing he says in verse number 23 is to hold fast. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? Because what you said that night when you're crying was sufficient. Oh. Brother, brother Allen, this, this encouraged me even, even that much more to see where we really stand then. What, where we really stand. Look at what he says again. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith and do it without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. <laughs> hold on to your profession that you made. Hold on to that. Hold fast to that profession because your, your, your faith is so great. No, he said because he's faithful that promised. Don't waver in your faithfulness and the character of God. God loves you. He loved you enough to die for you and purge your sins. God loves you. Hold fast that confidence because he's faithful that promise. Well, I'm wavering. Hey, you can waver on yourself. I got zero confidence in myself. But I don't want to waver in my confidence in his faithfulness. So I rest safe and secure, not in what I repeated that night, not in my repentance and not in my faith. I rest easy in the fact that he's faithful that promised. And you know what he promised me, Tyler? He would never. I don't know any other way to interpret that. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So all that tells me is it doesn't matter what happens in life. God Almighty said he would never leave me and he would never forsake me. So I'm going to hold fast that profession of faith in him and I'm going to do so by the grace of God without wavering because God is faithful. His character ought to be the reason that we have a faithfulness that will not, uh, a faith that will not waver. Keep looking to him. See? Now, me and what I repeated or didn't repeat or what I said or didn't say or did I repeat this verse? Did I really cry that night or did I? <laughs> hey, listen, he's faithful that promised. Rest in him and what he's done. So hold fast that profession without wavering because faithful is he that promised. If that don't get you through some things, I don't know what will. Now, we got to go. Let us consider, <laughs> so let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Hey, when uh, you've not been able to assemble with people, and you've not been able to get together with other Christians, and you're not under the preaching of the Word of God, you're not either able to assemble and worship together like we've had to go through, and especially when your health gets touched, there's some wavering that goes on and wondering some doubts, fears, and things. They, they happen, and if they ain't happen to you, I, I tell you, God bless you. But I, most people that I know have been through some doubts and some waverings and some, some shakiness and some wonderings and some fears, and, and, and this thing's brought that to us. I mean, it, it really has, but we can, we, can, can, uh, we can hold fast our profession because he's faithful. And look at verse number four, uh, 24. And let us consider one another. And considering one another, here's what we ought to do. Consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. It's going to be hard to do that without being in verse number 25. Right? I'll tell you what I'd do. I'd quit going to Walmart and I'd go to church. I feel safer here tonight than I do at Lowe's with them people. Right? 
Now, again, I'm not talking about being silly now. I'm not, I'm, I, I do not want to bring something on us. God, by His mercy and His grace only, and folks have been careful in here, and I want us to continue to do that. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I have a healthy fear for this thing. Don't, don't, God taught me that firsthand. Uh, but but I'll tell you this much. I'd about rather have it than sit at home and drive them down God. <laughs> So are you attacking me, preacher? Lord, no, I'm not attacking you. I'm doing what the Bible said and exhorting you. That's what the Bible said, isn't it? That's a sanctified word for an attack. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Consider one another. We're going through this stuff, and hey, we ought to be thinking other people. I'm telling you, I've talked to some people. They're so depressed. They're so down, especially when you get this thing. It isolates you, and and man, days of that stuff. People are going through some things, and we need to be uh, the type of church that considers one another. And I believe we are, a lot of us. We need to keep that up. Several texts while I was sick. Boy, I'm telling you, I appreciate it. And several people, they text me nearly every day, make sure I'm still kicking. And I appreciated that. Hey, I don't know about these guys that can live an island to themselves and they don't care about nobody. I worry about that kind of love. Amen. I do. Uh, I'm telling you, I appreciated it. I, I didn't think I needed anybody, but God taught me quite different. I'm an awful frail individual. Don't you laugh at that. I heard some snickers at that. Speaking of snickers, now let's go on. Now, let us consider one another to talk about each other and how, no, let's consider another, one another provoke unto love and to good works. That's a good thing to be doing. Can I ask you, how are you doing on that? Who are you provoking unto love and to good works? Amen. That's a good question to ask ourselves, isn't it? How about it, young people? Are you encouraging each other? Are you provoking? Let me ask you something, Taylor. Are you provoking her unto love and good works? Are you provoking her unto love and good works? Or are you aiding in, the, in rebellion? See, we can't do that. Amen. Right, young people? Huh? We can't do that. What you got to be for the other young people around here, you got to be provoking them to love and good works. See, life's not all about you yourself, right? Right? And so, it, it, hey, that's great if you stay out of trouble. I'm, I'm so thrilled with that. Most of you young people, just about even what I know of you, you're good young people. Compared to what some of these people's doing out here in the world. Amen. <laughs> you get out of hand a little bit, and i got to whoop you every now and then, but he's too big to whoop anymore. I just have to take stuff from him. <laughs> but... Uh, I'm, I'm as thrilled with that, young people. I don't want you to get caught up in no sin. I don't want you to get caught up in all that stuff. And, but I, I'm telling you, it's not enough just to not do wrong. The Bible expects us to go a step beyond that. And we ought to get outside of our little bubble and start how we affect other people. We ought to be provoking them to do right. Provoking other young people to, to love and good works. That's what kind of friend they need you to be. Right? That's what kind of friends you need. You'll find it out for long. Uh, now, we got, we got to move here. Um, let us hold fast for friends. Let us consider one another to provoke and love and the good words, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a man of some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin willfully, now we got to, uh, let's, um, let's just go, let's just go quickly. Let's just read through this and then we'll, we'll go home, okay? Now, for if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. He said that again in verse number 18. No more offering for sin. For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, then we lose our salvation. I didn't see that in there. You got you to already believe that and read that in. That's not what it said. It said there remaineth no more sacrifice. That just merely, in fact, what people took that and tried to make a negative out of it, it's actually a positive. What he's actually saying is God needs to do nothing else to forgive that one than he did to forgive the ones when he got saved. What he did on Calvary was sufficient enough. There's no more offering that he needs to make. He is seated in the heavens tonight. His priesthood work of offerings is accomplished. So he's not going to have to re-offer himself to forgive those sins that are willful sins after you get saved. 
What he did on Calvary was sufficient enough, and that's why we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and you have access by faith to him, and that's why the Bible said and tells us in 1 Corinthians that if we'll judge ourselves, see, we can avoid... And that's what he's going to go and tell us. Now, we got to go quick. I'm just going to read it quickly because I, I, I didn't get the whole main thrust of what I want to get to. And so what it does to us in verse number 27, sinning willfully after, the, um, after we get saved and these willful sins that we have after we receive the knowledge of the truth, what does it produce in you? A, a, a unrepented sin in your life, practically. Okay, what has he dealt with positionally? That's been forever already. Right? That's accomplished. So if you see it after you get saved, it's not this thing where it produces in you every time. Oh, I'm lost now because I sin. No. You have an advocate, right? And so First uh, John tells us that. And then here it says what it does. It unrepented sin in your life after you receive the knowledge of the truth. You know what it does to you every time? It brings a fearful dread of judgment. Because you know who God is, and I know God's not going to let nobody buy with what some of us have been doing. Amen. Right? Amen. And so, what does it do? It puts a dread inside of you of, oh, Lord, I should have never said that and thought that. You know what? I've gone through, and I thought, God's going to kill me for that. Every kidney stone I've got, I've started thinking, oh, God, what did I do? Amen. I, am I telling it right, Brother Reed? I'm thinking, God, I'm sorry for whatever it was. <laughs> I'll never do it again. I'm repenting of stuff I've never even done. <laughs> stuff I thought about doing. And I'm telling you, it puts a dread in there, doesn't it? When you, and, and sin does that. It brings doubt and dread into your life. And that's why God's constantly exhorting us. And while we're provoking one another to stay away from sin and to love and to good works and things like that. But what it produces is a fearful dread of this judgment because the Bible said, and it goes on to say, because the Lord, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and the Lord will judge his people. And we know that about God. But it don't have to be that way, my friend, because what Jesus did on Calvary was sufficient enough to cover the sins of whatever it is that you've put dread into your heart. What you can do is by faith right into the presence of God and say, God, be merciful to me. Forgive me for my sins. And what does he do? He's faithful and just to do what? And cleanse. And he does that not by a new offering, but the only one he ever had to do. And so this thing they tried to turn into something negative, it's a positive. See, what he's saying here is, is a very positive statement. He's saying, uh, and, and, and on down he does too, is a very positive statement. For we sin willfully, uh, there remaineth no more sacrifice. There's nothing else that needs to be done. Go to your Father, enter into the presence of God, ask for forgiveness, clean, uh, forsake and confess and forsake those sins, and he's faithful and just forgive them. Because you're a child of God, you're His. Now, let's go quick, all right? But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. And he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Let me read that again. He that despised Moses' law went to hell without mercy. Is that what it's dealing with there? No, the example it's given is under the law. They died here. They died spiritually because of sin. And sin entered in and death by sin. And they all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So your death, uh, your sentence of death that you have uh, uh, is, is because of sin, right? But, so here's what he's talking about is in the practical state. He's saying those that despise Moses' law, they died under two or three witnesses. They died here. They didn't die there. Right? That, that didn't produce the second death in them. So he's talking about being dealt with here. So saved person, of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. That don't sound like a lost man to me. What lost man was sanctified by this blood? This is a saved man. This is saying, hey, this, this is not making light of sin. And I, I've told you I never want to be guilty of that because of verses like this right here. This is talking to saved people saying you better stay away from sin. And if you commit sin and you do things, you have things in your life, you better repent and get them right. Amen. Amen. 
Because if they were punished under Moses' law, you can be rest assured under grace, there'll be a sore punishment for those that have received remission of sin. There's a higher expectation on me and you. So I'm not, I don't want to make light of that, but it doesn't mean you're lost. So this is saved people here. I'm thoroughly convinced of that. How much more sore punishment suppose you should be thought worthy who had trod on foot the Son of God, the blood of the covenant wherewith he, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite under the Spirit of grace. What's the Spirit of grace doing? It's Hebrews 12, 28. If I've got it down here, can't believe I put that down somewhere in my Bible. I mean, in my, in my notes here. Here it is. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Grace we ought to be serving with, we're sinning with. That's what's happening here. And the Bible said, if you don't get that thing right with God, there's a sore punishment going to come to you. And I believe that for a child of God. But us being saved and redeemed, it doesn't have to be that way. We have an advocate. We have a sufficient sacrifice that was made on your behalf in which Jesus Christ will cleanse as he faithfully promised to do. You can get right with God tonight. Hey, you can do it at home. Isn't that right? We can do it. We can do it at any time. We're not held down. At any time you want to, you can get right with God. If you're saved. Now, I believe the lost man has to be drawn, right? I don't believe it's the timing's his, his decision. But I believe for the child of God, the timing is on us. There's nothing else that needs to be done for you. There's no drawing power. There's no, God has forgiven you of your sin, and he expects you not to sin. And if you have sin, he expects you to confess it and forsake it. Right? And he promised to forgive it. So... Of how much more sore punishment. For we know him that has said, Vengeance is belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord said, The Lord shall judge his people. Verse number 30. And so, verse number 31, uh, the Bible says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Who's he talking to there? Well, he's talking to Christians, isn't he? For we know him, we are sanctified. It's a fearful thing. Now, that could be anybody, but me, you and I especially know it. It's fearful. So get, get, get it right with God. Repent of your sin and get right with the Lord. Save man, save woman, right? Amen. Y'all take that preaching? That's not foreign to you, is it? Amen. Now, verse number 32. But call to remembrance the former days. Now, I, I've gone too long tonight. And this is really where I'm wanting to get to. But I'm going to be honest with you. I think, when he, I think the Lord's done. I'm not done, but I think He is. So we better mind Him. Because I'd like to just keep going. Hey, I was, I was in such bad shape this morning, I didn't even know how I was going to get up here and preach. And now I get up here and preach, and the Lord just stirred my heart all over again. So thank you all for praying for me. I enjoy this. I really do. In these last verses, he's going to go through. He's going to talk. Well, let's read them together. We might come back here Wednesday night. But he, he talks about, now listen, I think they're going through something is what he's dealing with here. And uh, so he's exhorting them to their former courage that they had, called to remembrance the former days. You were illuminated, and you endured a great fight of afflictions. And, uh, and, and, and he's going to talk. And we're going to look at some things that that suffering produced uh, in, in them and then what it can produce in you uh, towards the end with patience and pleasure. And so we'll look at that maybe Wednesday night and this suffering, these trials. You're a child of God. Get right with the Lord. Uh, his sacrifice has been sufficient and it's been a good day to be in the house of God tonight. I know that. Um, so why don't we stand our feet? We'll have a verse just in case someone needs to come tonight. Um, I know that's kind of a crash landing there, but I just feel like if we get into that, we'll be here too long. I think the Lord's done tonight. So maybe Wednesday night, Lord willing, we'll come back and look at, look at those verses. They're just incredible verses. He talks about companions, courage, compassion that they had on him, charitable giving and their communication and giving to him. And that's what suffering ought to do in us, produce those kinds of things. So we'll look at that, Lord willing, Wednesday night. But if tonight you need to come, the altar will be open. Brother Reed's going to sing for us. What number, Brother Reed? 295. 295, if you'd like to sing along. And if you need to come, you come and just mind the Lord. Lord, we love you tonight. Thank you for the Word of God that just keeps our minds right and guides our life. And 
brings joy to us and all the, the Word of God is to us. Thank you for your help today. Thank you for your faithfulness to us individually and us as a church. We love you. We can never thank you enough for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Brother Reed.